You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365, and we are proudly sponsored by the Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening October 9th to the 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. I mean, who doesn't want to travel to San Diego in October? I'll share more about that at the end of the episode as well. Let's jump into it. For me, part of the, the beauty of this space is the ability for us to not only bridge uh, online to offline, but to really reimagine what the you know online experiences look like, what really the way that we kind of transcend uh, you know digital, right? I think uh, it's very easy for us to look at NFTs as just like a, a digital ownership, but what does digital ownership enable in the physical world? What is the physical world? What are we be able to do better in the physical world? Thanks to things like digital ownership and things like cryptocurrency, right? The idea. That you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but Kevin O'Leary, I, I, as as someone that's not a multi-billionaire or multi-millionaire yet, uh, I will reference Kevin O'Leary, and Kevin O'Leary referenced the idea that like for him to exchange money, um, you know, between you know to send money to Switzerland for an investment or a deal was like a five or six day process or experience to actually make that happen, uh, and thanks to crypto, he could do that in a matter of seconds, right? Being able to transfer. Uh, you know, that shared, you know, value, shared wealth and kind of go back and forth. And so for me, one of the things that I really get excited about are opportunities for us to look at different, um, you know, scenarios, different use cases, different NFT uh, places that kind of pull things together. And so we do have a fun guest for you today. I'm going to bring in our, our guest, uh, Ed. Ed, thanks so much for for jumping in. Uh, give people a little bit of uh, your background, and then we're going to get into a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience with this uh, NFT space and some of the things you have going on with uh, Festival Pass. Sure, Brian. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. And <clears throat> um, I've been listening to your podcast for from the beginning, or at least I'd say from the beginning, from the, the fall timeframe. Um, so I'm sure there's at least a hundred of them in, uh, and it's been, it's been a great journey. So thank you for that. I uh, appreciate you educating everybody. That's awesome. Um, to give you just background on myself is, uh, you know, I, I'm a classic entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 plus, <clears throat> close to 25 years. It all started, uh, you know, I was a finance major in college, went to be an investment banker in New York and, um, you know, in 1999, left that uh, because I wanted to actually um, start a business that was uh, where I was growing the business rather than um, servicing other people in businesses uh, as a banker would do. Um, and uh, I started my first e-commerce company. I sold that in 2001, um, continued down the journey. A lot of this is actually interesting for the company we have today, and it's it's worth kind of bringing up. Um, 
the journey then uh, went to, I had a experiential marketing agency, about 70 people based in New York called Vincent Partners. And we brought a lot of big brands to a lot of big live events. So uh, big f- film festivals. We actually launched, helped launch the Vail Film Festival. We own the Dominican International Film Festival down in the DR. Uh, we worked with Sonoma Valley Film Festival. Um, so we really kind of got into that experience of how do we run events. Um, that's where I fell in love with live events. I just thought it was a special time in place where it's only a moment that happens at that time versus some other kind of entertainment. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, no. I, I, so, I mean, I love that connection of live event side. And so I'm curious, you, you mentioned the, the agency and, and experimental, uh, you know, kind of marketing and, and that side. Um, how do you look at that? You know, I, I was going to just dive into the idea of like web two, web three. How do you look at like some of those lessons that we probably learned there, but we haven't really implemented in web three? How do you connect those two dots? Yeah. And, and I think part of that is even on as I share a little more of my journey, um, you'll, you'll kind of hear more about some of those dot connecting. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, then it was an agency where we were bringing some of these big brands to kind of, it wasn't even web two per se, then it was just in real life. Um, and then that evolved over time. Uh, I ended up having a uh, an email marketing business and then a SaaS business. Um, and it was kind of interesting because the, the SaaS business was not in the uh, entertainment and or space. It was retail franchise stuff. Um, ended up selling that in, t- in 2014. But what was cool about that is I learned all about recurring revenue streams, right? And that really got me interested in, you know, I, I need to build something in the subscription space. Um, but when you tie in the entertainment side, following that business, I went back to the service side and I built a data and analytics company in the entertainment space. And that was that was kind of where all the dots started connecting, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I loved how commerce can be transacted online in the early days. I loved how in real life events were wild and cool and interesting and unique. You know, I really enjoyed recurring uh, biz, uh, revenue models in business. Um, and then I had this data analytics company and we, we would help bring consumer data insights to everybody from a networks to AMC networks to film studios to all this kind of stuff. And during that time frame, there was a, a couple, uh, you know, unique businesses that people have probably heard of. One was called MoviePass, if uh, anybody heard of that, which had a, it was a, you know, meteoric rise and fall of a company. Um, but they, they sought us out to help them with data. And when I got my hands on a lot of that data, I started understanding, well, hey, th- there's, there's an amazing product market fit in the web two side of people that want to engage in entertainment subscription. Um, but, it, but it needed to be done better. And, uh, you know, the one, the one problem with the movie pass space, it just, the users that got to use the product, some got a lot of value, most got no value. And it just, it just wasn't a, a, a good long-term business model, but just learning from some of those people, the mistakes of others, um, really got me excited, but, but I think that this is where the connection comes, right? So sorry for that long-winded uh, path. But the, conne- the connection comes when when we set out to build this company as a subscription, quote-unquote, membership-based business. It was all about the community. It was all about this concept where in the traditional en- entertainment ticketing space, <clears throat> um, it's, it's a lot of large behemoths, um, you know, being purely transactional and people being forced, effectively forced to have to buy tickets from certain channels, 
because of the same fact that, um, you know, there's no other way to get around it. The fees are really high. And, you know, there's a place in time for a lot of the big companies that produce shows. I mean, it's, it's an expensive uh, proposition to produce a big, large concert or festival or anything. So, you know, there's a, there's a right time and place, but the community never really got to participate in that ownership of what was going on. So from day one, we're like, we want to build a membership driven place where there's a p- passion connected experiences where people can come together. Um, and by being and committing to being part of this community in terms of a membership, a monthly or an annual membership, they get a lot of benefits out of it. And this is the web two side, right? That's, this is the whole mm-hmm. web two side was all about how do we give rewards and benefits to the community for being active, engaging members in that community, going to a lot of events and, and giving back to the community in some way, whether that means, you know, uh, helping each other out, meeting at the event or whatever that came to be. So the Web3 side of it was, um, you know, obviously I have to listen to your podcast and I was interested in it prior to from the general crypto space. Um, you know, I started realizing like Web3 was a gift to what we were trying to build. It 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 was the the philosophical and technological advance for us to take what we've always wanted to build in membership and do it in Web3 um, that makes it just makes everything easier is the wrong word. It makes everything um, more uh, in line philosophically with, with everything we wanted to do. Um, so now we're just super excited to utilize both technology and overall ownership philosophy into the space. Like e- even the whole ownership side of it, I even played around with uh, when we first were funding the company, played around with some of the crowdfunding things because I just believed that a member and a customer should also be an owner. Um, so when I found the Web3 space, I was like, light bulb went off. And I was like, wow, this is just perfect for what we're trying to do. I love that, that membership owner, you know, relationship, right? And I think, you know, festival live events, you know, there's such an interesting uh, kind of connection point there. I'm curious, you know, when you were mentioning about like, kind of like your attraction to like kind of the subscription model, I think for a lot of our, our listeners and a lot, I think a lot of the mainstream I think a lot of people are still just kind of getting used to the subscription model, right? In a weird way, like, I mean, crazy enough, like one of the subscriptions I've had the longest, which is funny for me to even, I think I've shared on the podcast before, is like Me Undies is one that I found through Dax Shepard's podcast. It was a sponsor of the podcast. I subscribed and I uh, still to this day get the, you know, that box uh, every month, uh, you know, and it's like, Never was I was like, man, I wish I got underwear delivered to my house every month. But the idea that like, not only like, you know, now I have a whole lot, hell of a lot of underwear, probably more than I've ever needed. But there is something cool about that idea of like, adding subscription, adding like that, like kind of recurring model, but to the point of like, no real connection or value, like I probably was one of the earliest subscribers of MeUndies in that in that uh, example to where like there's no discount that I get. There's no kind of exchange. Can you talk a little bit about like how you looked at like where subscription models might have like kind of a limitation and then where Web3 became like that attractive piece of that? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, it's awesome that you have a lot of underwear. Um, <laughs> I, st- I still got the A team, the B team and the C team. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you understand what I mean. And oh, yeah. My girlfriend's always trying to throw out the C team. C team, yeah. C team, yeah. We, we have to keep those hidden. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so the way I look at it is um, in the classic core business model perspective is subscription models work for everybody. It's a win-win for everybody. And the reason being is when a committed user is willing to engage more often and, and in doing so, uh, be willing to pay a monthly subscription or an annual subscription, whatever that means, it allows the business 
to have a little bit of more predictable revenue streams um, so it's not transactional. And whenever there's a transaction in any business, what happens is you have to go reacquire that transaction. So it could mean when you when you try and pay to acquire your first customer, there's a you know a CAC in the in the you know lingo of business is a cost per acquisition, uh, a cost a you know, cost per acquisition of that original user. But even when somebody is a user in the traditional transaction world, uh, every, you have to resell them something every time. So the overall marketing costs get decreased on a subscription model and there's predictable revenue. So what that means is to most outside investors, um, the the potential future enterprise value of a subscription-based business could be higher even if the margin and profit is lower. Does that make sense? Um and, and the reason to say that is because if the business allows for the margin to be lower on a subscription business, we can give some of that margin back to the member. So the member wins and saves because we're able to give a product for less profit than we would if we were a transaction business. And the company wins because it has pre- pre- predictability and community. Yeah, I mean, I, I love you know, like that predictability piece is, is one that's, you know, is, you know, nice and interesting, but it's also like that shared you know, the, the shared value on, on also the shared experience side. And I'm curious, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you've been in a live event, live, you know, uh, you know, that space for a long while. Um, you know, when, when I was thinking about, you know, one of the very first use cases that I shared here on the podcast about like, you know, fan club style experience was like my Dave Matthews band, uh, you know, fan club, right. I, I mean, I joined warehouse, uh, in 2005, which is wild to think about, you know, like that in like the sense of that as a, as a band, you know, being a fan of, of that band, you know, early on and, uh, you know, mostly <laughs> my ex-wife kind of, uh, exposing me and then me becoming like a, a super fan and traveling around, but then also like kind of like disconnect, right. Because as the, the brand got more successful, or, or the band got more successful. Um, it wasn't like we were getting, you know, uh, kind of residual on that. But there is something cool about like, you know, kind of getting that festival unique access, right? And I was able to get passes before everyone else. I'm curious when you were looking at this space, like in a Web3 arena, like how, how are you looking at it from like, because like there's like this creator side, there's like the brand side, and then there's like the experience side, right? And you're almost kind of merging the three. And we'll talk a little bit about the, the past itself. But I'm curious, like when you were looking at all three of them, how were you kind of breaking it down to where like Web3 made the most sense at this at this stage? Sure, sure. Um, so there's a couple of things. You talk about the early adoption of uh, Dave Matthews or uh, early adoption of anything, <clears throat> just even the structure on how we're... Um, uh, rolling out our um, our project, and and we can speak about it whenever you want. As we're doing it in a tranche based environment, where we're selling a thousand at a time over a full ten thousand, like meaning I, I always like on your podcast when you talk about the quote unquote slow burn. Um, right. And the reality is, is of course it'd be nice to appropriately sell everything in a quick manner to be able to give the value back to everybody in a fast way. But the truth is, for us. It's all, it's about wanting to reward the people that come in early um, for the long term, right? So the first tranche that we launch is going to be the cheapest. The second tranche will be a little more, third tranche a little more. So by the time the 10th tranche comes, the people that came in early, like you being one of the first fans of Dave Matthews, are rewarded. So that's just, that's one aspect. Um on the on the other value side, there's other cool things that we're doing. So 
almost likened, and, and th this is something we've thought about long since, uh, and I'm thinking about the, the New York uh, NFT NYC, when, you know, whether it was Bored Apes that had their fests uh, or, or whatever it happened to be, is, of course, by owning access to an NFT, you got an experience, right? So we plan to and will create um, quarterly, you know, bucket list events for our NFT holders only. So we'll have, you know, tens of thousands of other subscribers, hundreds of thousands eventually of our traditional subscription product, but only our NFT holders, only the Web3 connected folks will be able to go to those quarterly bucket list events. And I know you're a hockey fan. One of our investors happens to play for the New York Rangers, Jacob Truba. I don't know if you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Jacob. No, yeah. No, um, so he's an investor. Uh, but and I'm not saying this is exactly what we'll do, but it would be something like going to a Rangers game in the luxury box and then hanging out with the players after. Like that would be a bucket list event we're going to do quarterly only for, you know, a hundred of the NFT holders, that kind of stuff. Nice. No, I, I like that. And I, you know, like, you know, like one of the other things that kind of came to like mind, right? Like is like the festival live event space we know as passionate people. I, I gave a keynote for an entire year on 10 marketing lessons from the fire festival and the fire festival <laughs> being one that like we, it, it can get a lot of hate. Uh, I, I was on a Twitter space with Ja Rule uh, last week and I was laughing because Ja Rule actually came in to me giving that talk one time when I was kind of mocking, like, I was like, I can't believe we listened to a, a rapper and a credit card salesman and believe this event in, sure. uh, you know, on Pablo Escobar's Island was going to be great. But to me, like the, the piece that was so missing underneath there is like, I remember whenever the fire festival ads came out and I remember where I was at and like my, and I was like, you know what? I think I want to go there. And I was like, I mean, it was attractive to me. The marketing was attractive. I love live events and festivals. I've traveled, you know, around the U.S. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I don't think I've traveled outside the U.S. Maybe that's a that's a, a bucket list. Bucket list. Yeah, that's a bucket list. I haven't traveled outside the U.S. to see a uh, a concert yet. I have seen a couple concerts. Uh, I actually got to see uh, one of my a band that I love, Dispatch. Uh, they actually were playing uh, over in Japan when I happened to be in Japan one time, which was a really cool experience to see a, a band that I loved uh, being, you know, kind of embraced by a local, uh, you know, fans there. But the reason I brought that up is like, we know that people are a passionate and like seeking out experiences. Right. And I've, I've say this as like, you know, as the pager wearing millennial, like I will grad gladly spend more money on going to an experience than I would buying a, a luxury vehicle or, you know, or something, you know, that traditionally maybe was a little bit different, but I also think, you know, the utility today with NFTs, so much of it is like, you know, if the utility is too, is too early for like this, like uh, adoption is, is the case. So before we get into like, kind of like that kind of connecting the fire festival, give us a little bit about, you know, the, the, the festival, like, you know, get the, the past that you've created, the, the, the company that you've kind of been building here. Talk to us a little bit about what that is. And then I'll kind of link it back into like my idea of where this kind of utility makes long-term sense. But I, I also understand why, you know, projects that are really providing massive IRL utility end up being slow burn just because of the, you know, the state of where, you know, a lot of these users are at. So yeah, give us a little background on the project itself. Sure, sure. So uh, just real quickly on the Fire Festival, I, I've been, ever since I started this company, I've been dreaming about an April Fool's Day promotion where <laughs> where we just, you know, take a homepage app takeover of, you know, launching the Fire Festival. I think it's a little too soon, but at some point in time, if anybody is listening to this and they, they see Fire Festival on our, on our, on our website, it's solely a joke. Um, anyway, so uh 
So, so what we're doing for, for the project itself, we're calling it Festival Family. And the reason we're calling it Festival Family is because, you know, we believe that there are certain personality types that make up our, our membership or audience or our community, right? Um, I always joke a little bit um, about their, you know, in, in life, in, in the human state of psychology, there's really only 16 personality types. Um, I'm not sure if uh, I fit within one of them, but I probably do, um, as do you and everybody else. But uh we, we're, we're building a family of, of 10 different personalities. So we're not doing all 16, but about 10 different personalities. Um, and each one of those personalities will embody the art for each of the tranches. And that's just, um, that's just sharing more of the art side of it. Our, our, our um, NFT is, is 100% a utility NFT. The art side is just, you know, a packaging that goes around the box, if you will. Um, but what it is, is it's a lifetime founder membership to our platform. So what that, what that comes with is uh, every single year that somebody is a holder and owns this NFT, they'll get $1,200 worth of credits. We have a credit system on our platform. So they'll, they'll get $1,200 worth of credits every single year to redeem to go to live events. And there's, a, there's about 80,000 live events on our platform. So they could use those 1,200 credits and go to a festival. They can use it to go to see Justin Bieber or, uh, you know, wh whoever your uh, desired uh, concert is. You can use it to go to a hockey game. You can use it to go to a football game. You can use it, use it to go to a college football game, w whatever you want. We have Broadway theater. We have a lot of stuff on there. But the idea is every single year as you hold this, you always talk about utility and benefits. What is the benefit instead of the word utility? The benefit is I get immediately, this, the second I own this thing, I get, you have to connect your wallet to our platform to get them. But, uh, but you get $1,200 worth of credits to go to anything you want to go to. So that's the immediate. And then we talked about the secondary piece, which is the bucket list items. So quarterly, we're going to curate and build these amazing bucket list items that will be on a roadmap forever. And those events will just get better and better and better. And we'll let the community through our Discord make, make the decision. Well, you know, here are three or four really cool events we're going to do next quarter. What do you guys want? Um, and, you know, we'll go build it for them. Nice. So, I, so I'm curious, you know, like, I mean, I, I love where that, where that is going. You know, I, I will say that the, one of the things that will jump up, I'm sure you've heard it from a, you know, a geography's perspective, right? When someone's holding an NFT and maybe it's, you know, the events aren't in their region. How do you kind of, uh, kind of look at that or, or kind of like that shared value in there? I, I'm, and I, I'll have a follow-up because I, I think there's one uh, interesting use case there, but I'm curious how you kind of tackle that side of the house. Sure. So, so on the core, core utility of your $1,200 worth of credits every uh, every year to go to whatever you want. We have events everywhere, right? So um, the inventory we have is everywhere in the U.S. We're not outside of the U.S. yet, um, but, you know, whatever city you live in, you'll find something nearby that you can go to, whether it's, you know, a professional sport uh, game, whether it's a concert. Um, so, so that isn't an issue in terms of the general core utility. Now, when we start doing our quarterly bucket list events, um, We'll, we'll understand through our Discord and our connection with our NFT holders, where, where do they live? What do they like to do? So um, so I think what will end up happening is we'll let the community decide based upon the makeup of that community. Do we do an event in New York City? Do we do an event in Miami? Do we do one in Austin, Texas, where I am now, even though I lived in New York for 23 years? Um, but uh, but the, question, the community is going to decide on where those bucket list events will happen based upon the makeup of the community. 
Uh, I was hoping you were going there, and I actually I didn't know the answer to that that question. So I I love that you went where I you know because I think that is such a like the idea of like what is the difference between like shared ownership versus just buying something and and kind of taking it as you get right. I think there is something beautiful about being able to help curate that right, and and even you know I mean. I'm a such I'm a huge fan of Austin, Texas, of of places where I could move in, in the United States. It's definitely like in my top five, and uh, I've been lucky enough to go to South by for you know many many years, and um and I I, I like the idea of like kind of the you know shared you know hey I, how do we you know vote or how do we all have a voice? I'm curious have you have you thought about like the the loaning out of like the, uh, the of the credits or the experience? Like I I have a Steve Aoki uh, NFT. Uh, it's been used four times zero by me um so i'm not sure why i bought it because like now when i go back to like think about my own purchasing habits like i bought the the steve ioki i have like the the second highest uh utility pass and for me unfortunately even two of the events where steve ioki was playing i ended up having to leave early i had to go speak at a different event so i ended up thankfully having a close friend of mine uh couple different close friends that I could I just sent them the NFT they went and took you know the the value in a way for me that's still utility for me because now I have I have social equity with these people right like if they if I ever need something from them but you know I think there's also like that play I, I know there's some NFTs that have played in the the loaner system uh, there's the angel alliance they actually allow you like in their contract to loan out their NFT uh, have you look how, how have you kind of approached that or, or your thoughts around that Sure. So there, there's two sides to that. One is um, once you're an NFT holder and you're getting your your uh, annual utility, which is your credits, um, there isn't really an option to send your credits to other people per se. But what you could do is you could just go in and acquire the ticket. You know, f you, you can get two tickets at a time, and you can say, "Hey, I want two tickets to whatever uh, you know Pittsburgh uh, hockey game," and uh, and once you do, and you now own the tickets, right? So you can always transfer those tickets to a friend or whatever you wanted to do. Um, you would be using your credits, and it would you know be a little work on your side to do it. Um, so that's just one on the the meaning the utility is transferable in some capacity. And then on the side you're talking about, um, I don't know yet. Like I'd love to, I'd love to find a path to share the utility or uh, of the actual NFT itself or lend it or borrow it, um, I think we'll just have to continue to explore that. Well, what I do want to do is create partnerships with a lot of other projects in order to have, you know, owners of our utility. Of course, we have your quarterly bucket list events, but, um, you know, I think I heard you and Chavi talking the, the other day about uh, the fly fish, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. And I was at that event in New York and, you know, and I got to meet all the guys. Uh, Gary wasn't there, but the other three founders were there and they're, they're all great guys. Um, and because we're both very utility driven NFTs, you know, I see a, a strong partnership in the future between us. Like as an example, we, we haven't, uh, we haven't, come to the final conclusion on what the partnership looks like. So I don't want to talk at, at a, at a hand, but what if, right. What if, right. um, you know, what if our, uh, what if they provided, you know, call it a hundred reservation slots at Flyfish over, over the year, over a quarter or whatever happens to be for our holders. Right. Yep. Uh, and therefore now our holders have access to it and we could provide, you know, even on our platform, a reservation, it might cost a certain amount of credits. It might be out of your 1200 credits you get, you might have to use 50 of them or 20 of them to get yourself a reservation slot at Flyfish, but you can only do that if you're an NFT holder. So there's a lot of interesting things that I see, and that's just one of hopefully dozens of projects we'll, we'll partner with where we can provide, um, you know, 
community around what we're doing uh, to help build their community. And we can do the same by giving access to ours. So I'm curious, you know, I think that's, I think that's a, I mean, I think that sweet play, right? I think the partnership vehicle ends up being, you know, the doors are opening, you know, the more web three innovation, the more partnerships that'll be aligned for what you're, you're building there. You know, for anyone that was at NFT NYC or listened to pretty much like the last, last couple of weeks of my episodes, like figuring out like events to go to or in person, like it, it was a nightmare of just figuring out like where was what, and then also kind of getting like that validation at the door. And I know you mentioned like, you know, claiming credits, you know, and then getting, you know, kind of the tickets. How do you look at like the innovation of like live event ticketing? Like VCon, I will give mad credit. I, I went to VCon and I, my first thought to my, to the team when Drew and I were sitting there, I was like, it is going to be a shit show getting in and out of that venue because they, you know, they were very strict on like what we were using. Well, I was wrong. It was the most seamless uh, experience I had seen getting in. Now they had a controlled environment, one entry point, everything was inside the gates, one gate. Like it, it was very, like they limited the variables, which helps on that case. I'm curious, how do you look at innovation within the live experience world and how that kind of goes in kind of hand in hand with what you're building. Cause I'm sure like this is the beauty of NFTs, right? Like you can adapt your utility based on how some of those other things adapt. But what do you see as like, I mean, I mean, Ticketmaster, I, I feel maybe we agree that they're like the, they're like the thousand pound gorilla and I don't ever look at them as like an innovator. I feel like, you know, we've been dealing with, you know, the ticket masters of the world for a long while, but how do you look at like that space innovation and driving kind of, uh, you know, full, full circle? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everything is going to take time. I think in the next three to five years, every single ticket to a live event will be an NFT. Um, I just think that's gonna be the natural progression of where we're going. The problem is some of the big people that you mentioned um, have a lot of uh, either tech debt in terms of they've already built tens of millions of dollars uh, worth of systems that they still want to own. Um, and or um, obviously Web3 is all about decentralization and lack of control. There are certain things I'm sure they want to still control. Um, so there's going to be a, a, a time frame that will bring some of those larger companies into the Web3 space in totality. But I still think that's three to five years out. Um, on the smaller guys um, like us and like other people out there is, of course, I think we're, we already are going to start using that um that Web3 technology as soon as possible. So when we do our quarterly events, it will be an NFT. That will be your point of entry. Um, hopefully some of the people we partner with will all start using NFT as actual tickets. And then this goes back into the ease of transfer, right? When, when every ticket is an NFT, um, super easy for you to be able to go grab a ticket and then just send it to somebody else's wallet um, and, and let them use it at that NFT to, to gain entry to, to a, a space or a location. Um, but I do believe that is the future of ticketing. It makes total sense. I think I've heard on your podcast and, and some others is just a simple marketing idea of somebody being able to connect their wallet to your environment and share with you at that moment in time, um, you know, the things they've done in the past and uh, the events they've been to, the certifications they have. Um, and all of that is wonderful um, because it sits in the hands of the actual consumer, the member. They're able to share with you when they want it and they can take that, that control away when they want to. Um, and I do believe that's where our world is going and no, we can't fight it, right? The, the horse is already out of the barn, as they say. Um, so I do believe that's the path and we're going to get to a place where it's just going to be more important to give enough value to people to want them to connect their wallet to your platform in order to be able to share that information. 
Yeah, I think that that you know, give enough value to like make them, you know, like the idea of like, oh, okay, now it's worthwhile, right? Connecting the platform. And you also brought up you know, like the tech debt side, which I don't think is is addressed enough in web three on when we think about like early adoption and where things are being embraced. Like, I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of companies that are put in back-end systems that are more centralized than you've ever seen before. And just the idea of moving decentralized for some of those systems is a nightmare, let alone some of the security things that we know are in place with companies that are are done with you know 100 percent you know the right intent at the moment, but it doesn't really set us up for that that future part of that, um, which I think is an interesting even the the fly fish club that which was we mentioned a little bit ago, right? The idea of like a a membership restaurant, right? Or even like what if what if a restaurant could sell uh, a, a certain table where it's every other Friday? I know my NFT gives me access to that table, and even if I'm not using it, I could send family, friends, neighbor, right? A lot of that is, I mean, really exciting, but there's also like, well, now how do you do predictability and how do you do uh, even like the waiter waitress scheduling and, and, and like uh, some of those things that I think are really interesting. Um, you know, one of our mutual friends, we have to give uh, you know, a big uh, shout out to, to Jason who uh, connected uh, the dots here. And, you know, I think of, you know, business savvy, business background, you mentioned some of the investors that you have um, in the space. I'm curious when you're talking to those that aren't bought into NFTs yet, and you're presenting them kind of the festival pass positioning. What are some of the things that they either push back on? They're curious about, like where does that, that some of that conversation lead? Sure. So I think there's a couple things, and I always try and explain this in a way. Like uh, whenever I try and explain Web three to anybody, um, I always try and start with what do they already know. And I think yeah, you've even alluded to some of this. I think in some of your past podcasts, is it's it's easier to bring people up to speed when you can give can give them an example of something that they can touch and feel and understand. Um, and as you always say, uh, you know, nothing is investment investment advice, and do your own damn damn research. Um, but when I try to explain to anybody that's ever purchased uh, a stock um, of any capacity, when, when I'm trying to explain some concept of an NFT, is I'm always saying, well, you know, whenever you buy a stock or you buy something, um, the, the truth is, is you don't have any control access or anything over that. All you have is you could sell it in the future at a higher price or you could sell it in the future at a lower price. Um, you're taking a, a risk to decide on, hopefully you're buying it lower than you eventually will sell it. So that's one aspect, right? But then when I think of utility, right? And utility, uh, I want to avoid the D word, that uh, D-I-V, that word that uh, that the Security and Exchange Commission can maybe think of it as, as something like it. But the reality is it's a benefit. So if you own a stock and you either can sell it higher or lower, or every year they decide that they're going to distribute some of that cash flow to somebody. They're going to give that owner a benefit, something. So, so basically, you're getting a benefit while you're owning it. So, when I think of utility, you know, the good news is for us, and I'm joking a little bit about the uh, security stuff. The good news is, is we live in a world where it's really just a product, and we're giving a utility of our product, not any kind of financial reward. But when I think of what we're doing, is if somebody owns our NFT or or any NFT with utility. As you own it, you're getting benefits. Those benefits are like a reward for owning it. So you're getting stuff along the way. And at some point in time, you still could sell it for higher or you could still sell it for lower. So once they, people that understand finance, once they kind of get that aha, they're like, oh, I get it. Like, it makes sense to me. So, so the idea is if you have this utility that 
you own something like I always talk about our own NFT. I'm like, well, think about it. You buy this NFT and you own it for three years and you're killing it. And by three years go by, you've gone to $3,600 worth of live events. And then maybe you're not going to as many events anymore. You can go sell it and hopefully it's going to sell for higher than you paid for it. That's it's like a no brainer. It's a, it's just that simple concept. Uh, and it puts the control back into the user, the owner, because they potentially can get their entire investment back in the future um, if, or, or they could lose it, but they could get their investment back even after they've gotten all the benefits, which is exciting. Yeah. And I, and I this is such a, uh, this is like a stickler of mine, right? Like I just like, like my, my, my daughters went, uh, I was actually supposed to go for a, a father's day uh, baseball game last night. My, my Pittsburgh pirates are playing the Washington nationals here locally. And unfortunately COVID got me uh, locked down in quarantine. So my ex-wife took uh, my daughters and I was thinking about it from like the standpoint of like, you know, we my, we went, spent $100, $25 a ticket or whatever it may have been. Um, at no point did the game end. And I was like, okay, now I want to resell these tickets for the game that I just went and already saw that was over, right? Like I like my, the value of that experience was not determined on my ability to resell those tickets afterwards, right? Like, which is, which I think, you know, in the NFT space, like to your point, yes, you could, you could gain that value for three years and even sell it. But even if like in the way that I look at it, like you sell it for a dollar, in many cases, that's more value utility benefits than you would get from any of the other experiences, quote unquote, like a web two type uh, arena. Not to mention like, let's look at like implied value that things that could be there where, well, all of us that were in the discord, that we're all going to that one event. We gathered up and met at, at a, we did a tailgating beforehand and we got to meet. And now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're walking into an event with a group of people that we are connected with. Like people don't like to think about that part of like how much utility and value would you put in there? Right. I think that is one, like I, I used to blog for uh stealernation.com and the website was great. We had a lot of blogs with people when we surveyed them back then um, they were like, the only thing we really care about is that we could go, to one tailgate and we knew who was going to be there just because of SteelerNation.com, the, the blog. Yeah. And I was like, wait, we're putting three blogs out a day. We're creating all this value. And they're like, no, I just want to connect with like-minded people that share the values. You're also kind of facilitating that. I think in a way that I think that's where I mentioned earlier, I think it's hard for people to see that in this web three of like the residual benefits being like, I'm aligning myself with others that I'll be connected with when I show up into a live event. I mean, and there's really I mean, introvert or extrovert. I think that is one that I hopefully people will start to see, you know, more as a, you know, a value in a use case as well. I agree. And, and one of the things that we're considering doing, or we will be doing in our discord is creating kind of localized environments for people to connect. Um, so I think the first channel we'll open up is Austin, right? So it's kind of like, well, Hey, you're in a discord and maybe there's a few hundred of you in the discord in Austin, you should be able to connect. And if you guys become NFT holders and, or even subscribers to our overall platform overall is, you know, you, you should be able to connect there and say, Hey, uh, 20 of us are going to, uh, you know, Austin FC soccer game. Let's all meet at this bar. Let's all hang out. Uh, and then the more and more we see that as, as a community, we'll start doing cool shit. We'll say, well, great guys. I love that you guys are starting to meet at this bar, you know, every Thursday before one of the games. Um, I tell you what, we'll, we'll, you know, festival pass or festival family will host, you know, a, a, a you know, a tailgate or a, yep. a pregame at that space. And I just get super excited about letting the, having the community let us provide some of that additional utility and benefit just because 
you know, there's never really been a way for us to understand all this of what happens outside of the world for a company that is an online driven world, bringing people to an IRL world. Yeah. And it goes both before the events and after the events too, right? Like, I mean, the last three days I've been in nothing but, you know, NFT NYC after event Twitter spaces. And, you know, part of that is like, Hey, we all experienced something together. Let's get online back online and share like our own versions experiences. Maybe we can learn in the future. I think that's a fun one. I'm curious, have you thought about like, you know, I know a lot of NFT projects, founders listen to the podcast. A lot of people that are either already founded a project or hoping to found a project. There's some collaboration, like things that I think could really see in there where even like something like someone staking their NFT into a platform gives them access to, you know, festival pass experiences. Have you thought about that from like, you know, those founders that are out there that are like, Hey, we want to provide IRL experience, you know, utility and online, and maybe they're limited on like what they're thinking there. Have you entered kind of like that conversation with any projects yet? Yeah, I think uh, I, I mentioned one, Fly, um, the Fly, Flyfish Club, as an right. example of one, because it's easy to put your head around it. But yes, we we absolutely are talking to a bunch of other communities, and we welcome more. Um, so maybe this podcast can help, uh, you know, drive people to come in and say, "Hey, I'd love to partner because there's a cool utility." Um, there's uh, there's also non not traditional Web three projects. Like the cool thing about Web three, right, is that the business development you know, concept, and I did a lot of this in my previous businesses, is creating partnerships that add value for both parties. Um, So it's, it's so awesome in Web3 because the NFT itself becomes this verifiable tool that makes it easy to provide cross-pollinated value for each other. In the old days, um, it was difficult, right? It was like, use this coupon code or, you know, try and, uh, you know, verify that you're from this community when you show up at this event or whatever it was. And uh, it just was difficult. And now, just being able to simply say, hey, connect your wallet. Let me see that you have these three or four or five NFTs. And therefore, of course, you get these benefits. Yeah, I, mean, I always love the idea of like, you know, you're gonna be able to build some micro communities within the, you know, the Festival Pass Arena is also connecting kind of those, some of the communities in and out. Right? I think like, you know, even thinking about us with, you know, the super powered NFT that we're building out from a utility perspective, right? Like, you know, Austin, Texas, as you brought up, right? Like I know a lot of, uh, you know, of our, of our listeners in my community, there are a lot of people that are in that, you know, Texas area. So for me, there's an element of like, okay, what if we, you know, had a couple of festival passes and we're able to buy, you know, use some of our, uh, you know, our claims to actually give some access to that. And then we have a, you know, a meetup out there, even, uh, you know, one of the projects we actually just, uh, they're coming on the podcast, probably, a week or so after this airs, uh, the Divine Wine Project. There's a, a D-I-V-I-N, and they're uh, kind of like a wine subscription model meets wine experience. And uh, one of my good friends is uh, one of the investors and uh, you know partners on that project. And I was thinking about that version of it as well, right? Like sure. how many of those type of experiences uh, can I connect the dots? Uh, for those that are listening that might be interested, uh, what's you know uh, I'm I. We'll put the links and everything uh, in our in our show notes, but give them a little bit of an idea of what if they jump on and mint now. What what are some of the things they can experience or or look forward to? Yeah, so so as I was mentioning, like uh, we're doing it in tranches, right? So <clears throat> what we're trying to do is um, we're going to probably do a private sale in a couple of weeks with um, just a lot of people that have supported us early on, um, and then we'll do our allow list. Um, 
will start, you know, soon thereafter. And then the public mint is probably within about four weeks. Um, so the easiest way to, to, to get in, um, one, if it, you have other projects or founders of other projects and you want to collaborate for us to come together and provide some allow list spots for other projects, of course, we can do stuff like that. But even as individuals, um, just come join our Discord, join our Twitter, join our Discord. And even through Discord, you can find ways to get on the allow list. Um, we're all, all about trying to, you know, get everybody that's willing to participate early on. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a crazy, I, I won't give the exact price, but the first tranche we're going to go out with at less than one ETH. Um, and if you think about the value, the $1,200 a year in credits you're going to get uh, in perpetuity forever in life, and you can mint it for under an ETH, it's, pr it's pretty incredible. Um, so, you know, the idea is anybody getting in early, it's just going to be a fascinating uh, win. And, you know, Obviously, this is not investment advice, but down the road when it's selling at a much, much higher price, um, it will be, you know, super special for people getting in early. Yeah. Ayo, and I think on top of not only on top of getting in early from the, the price point, but also being able to help shape some of the directions that you, you mentioned. You talked about like the regions and the things that you're going to kind of develop within the Discord. You know, I, I, I will challenge everybody that's listening, right, for projects that that you believe in or the ideas or concepts that are kind of open your mind, like jumping in early with them and kind of embracing that, like you will be amazed how much like web three is kind of like molded. We are all molding this together, right? As the, the industry changes, a trend changes, it is about molding it together. And so the more people that jump in early um, on projects that they, they are passionate about, I think they end up uh, benefiting in ways they probably didn't even imagine. And, and I, and I can say that firsthand, there's a couple of projects that jumped to mind that actually one of them has not minted yet. Uh, and I jumped in their discord six months ago. And it's so funny. I jumped in cause I was like, Oh, I love the concept. The concept has actually drastically changed. I love it even more, but I know that I probably wouldn't, I, I know that the concept changed partially because I've been involved and I've been able to help shape that. And there is something uh, really cool about that. So, you know, Ed, this is great. I'm excited to, uh, you know, continue the journey, see how this uh, kind of unfolds. We'll make sure for those in our discord, uh, we'll share out some links, make sure we get uh, taken care of on, uh, on the allow list. Is there any, uh, you know, final remarks, any last comments you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I mean, uh, something that I think you said a couple couple uh, podcasts back that I really liked about a you know social council or people that want to get more involved, and we're open to that. Like, so if there's anybody out there that is engaged and wants to participate more in our Discord and kind of help us with our community, you know, we love it. It's like I think the beautiful thing about Web three is, yeah, I, I even have this thing on my desk from Ronald Reagan, actually, even though um, I, I can't, I would not call myself a Republican by any stretch of the imagination, but back then it was a little different, but it says there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit, right? So in our community, it's like, I don't care who gets the credit. I just, I just want to grow something that everybody can actually, you know, years from now say that's the way live events should be. You know, we're so frustrated by, you know, the traditional way we're, you have to accept it, but it doesn't have to be that way. Let's let's build together. I love it. That is truly a we is greater than me, uh, like mantra and alignment. And I, I have to say, I, I I appreciate you know the listening to the podcast and I you know you even quoting back some of the things that I've said. Uh, that means the world to me too, right? I I like I love being able to connect worlds. Uh, you know, shout out to Jason Dorsey who uh, connected the two of us, and and you know you were already uh, you know a listener of the podcast, and and that's the other part of this that I think is also beautiful that like we can work together through you know networking and some of the the great experiences that we already have kind of been working for you know towards, and and now hopefully help shape uh, you know additional things. So I will definitely uh, be in that Discord and excited to you know come on this journey. I mean. 
I spent almost all of my my money on going to uh, in person events and experiences and uh, you know live everything. So uh, that that for one, uh, you got me uh, hooked on that side. So for all of our listeners, we'll put the you know the the notes uh, you know all the links in the show notes. As always, do your own damn research, not financial advice. But at the same time, like look to support great people doing great things that are providing utility in many ways that maybe that the Twitterverse hasn't figured out is the long-term utility. Maybe the DGENs that only like to talk about NFTs in NFT groups on Discord. But I, for one, am really excited. It's very much aligned to Meta Athletes, uh, you know, another project that I hold uh, you know, dear, near and dear to me, where we're providing utility, real-world utility that's helping shape your offline life, your online life, and really kind of reinvent or reimagined uh, what the, you know, the way that we can operate. And so... And for all of our listeners, as always, I really appreciate you listening. You know, as I teased out at the uh, the be- beginning of this ep- episode, we have a, a brand new sponsor that uh, I'm excited to have on board for us for the uh, next many months. And we've teamed up with Social Media Examiner uh, and Crypto Business Conference. Now, that is uh, founded by Mike Stelzner, who happened to be one of our past guests. Uh, he is also the host of the Crypto Business Podcast. And this event is going to be a lot of fun. There's, you know, we're going to have a lot of conversations around Web3, the business use cases around Web3, uh, really a practical conference. Uh, as I mentioned, it is October 9th through the 11th uh, in San Diego, California. It's truly a Web3 business conference. Uh, amazing lineup of speakers, more details on some of the speakers and so on. But uh, definitely check it out. We will make sure there's a link here in the show notes. And uh, I look forward to seeing people in San Diego, hopefully. Uh, very soon. And, you know, hey, we just talked about conferences and festivals. I mean, what better way to kind of take this and put it into action? You know, raise your damn hand, press the damn button, and uh, hopefully see you in San Diego. But until tomorrow, make it a great day, my friends. Cheers. Hey.